on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome to the Fan Network show on TalkSport 2, a brand new show for all of you fans who love your EFL football. I'm your host, Justin Beattie, and every week I'll be discussing all of the biggest talking points, news and views from around the Football League with the most important people, you, the fans. I'll be joined by TalkSport Fan Network contributors to look ahead to the weekend's biggest games and keep you across the week's drama in the EFL. Reading's match against Port Vale at the weekend was abandoned due to fans protesting on the pitch. A terrible situation currently as supporters worry for the long-term future of the club. Ben Thomas from the Tolhurst End podcast will join us to share his concerns. We'll look at the fight to remain in the championship and hear from both QPR and Blackburn supporters. What's going wrong at Rovers? Only one league win in nine games as they've sunk to 18th in the table. Expect fireworks from Ian Herbert of the 4,000 Holes podcast. And is it time for Queen's Park Rangers fans to panic? Does relegation to League One beckon? We'll be getting some honest answers to those questions as Ben Platt from the W12 podcast joins us. Finally, we'll preview our big game of the weekend, Leicester host Ipswich as first takes on second in the championship. We'll look ahead to that one in detail with Leicester Till I Die and the Blue Monday podcast. Let's get into it. So much to get through over the next hour. This is the EFL Fan Network right here on TalkSport 2. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. I'm Justin Beatty. Glad to have you with us for the next hour. And there's so much to discuss. So let's start with the future of Reading Football Club. Currently 21st in League One. But there are real concerns off the pitch at the state of the football club financially. It all came to a boil on Saturday when their match with Port Vale was abandoned after around 1,000 home fans invaded the pitch. The home supporters were protesting against the club ownership of Dayong, who took charge in 2017, but he's come under fire after the club was hit with a number of penalties for financial mismanagement. Reading, who were relegated after 10 years in the Championship last season, have been deducted 16 points in under two years. It's a really worrying situation, not just for Reading supporters, but for football fans as a whole, to see a club in turmoil like this. And joining us now is Ben Thomas from the Tolhurst End podcast, who can help us understand what's been going on in a bit more detail. Ben, welcome. Thank you very much for coming on. What is the latest on the situation? Oh, great question, Justin. Um, you know, obviously you saw uh, the scenes on Saturday that's kind of been well documented now in terms of, of, of what happened with the game against Port Vale. Um, we've had a number of uh, semi-delivered, um, if you like, statements from our CEO, Diane Pang. Uh, he, he kind of put one out the start of the week, he was on uh, your channel actually uh, earlier on in the week when he spoke to Jim White, and we've had uh, you know communication from the club yesterday, which uh, by all accounts was written by uh, a law firm. We're led to believe uh, with a very very different tone to previous statements. So it we're led to believe as a fan base at the moment that the sale of the club is is being expedited in terms of the, <laughs> the process and the speed. Um, is is kind of gathering pace as a result of of Saturday's actions and the coverage at the weekend, um, but ultimately, um, the raw facts are that we're we're still owned by uh, Dai Young. We still have Dai Young Pang as a as a CEO. Um, you know, we're not sure if staff are going to be paid at the end of this month. We don't know if a tax bill will be paid at the end of this month. So it's it's very very difficult um, 
to, to you know, to remain positive at this stage. Um, on top of that, we've just sold our, uh, one of our captains, uh, Tom Holmes, who came through our, our academy system to Luton Town. Um, you know, granted, he's coming back on loan for us till, till the end of the season, which is which is good for us yeah. in terms yeah. of numbers. But it's it's yeah. it's a mess, mate. To be honest with you. We'll, we'll come back to that point uh, in a bit. Um, but yesterday, Reading released a statement. Owner Dai Yong has agreed to look to sell the club at the earliest opportunity. Reading's CEO, Dai Yong Pang, joined White and Jordan on TalkSport. He urged fans to be patient over a potential sale. We've been keep talking to all different kind of buyer guru after two offers been fall out. So we're still, you know, talking all kind of different people. And Mr. Dai is... 100% willing to sell the color. He trying to put the color in the safe hand. You know, we cannot just like sell the color to any people who come in with the proof fund and something. So that was Reading's CEO, Dayong Pang, talking to White and Jordan yesterday. He's urging supporters to be patient, but with real concerns over the long-term future of the club. Can you afford to be patient? Uh, well, I think he used that word, you know, it, it, it's absolutely laughable. Uh, in, in my opinion, because, you know, we have a very, very patient, um, consistent fan base. You know, we haven't had huge numbers, particularly at home in, in recent years, but we've got, you know, one of the highest averages of away attendances in League One this season. And that, that season is, is, is seen as basically, you know, rooted to the bottom of the table there or thereabouts. So the fact that he uses the word patient is, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's incredibly ironic, given that we've asked time and time again for... Uh, communication from the club which we've never had really and now when we do have we feel like you know as a fan base we're being lied to and and, and quite frankly the choice of language um, was was unacceptable yesterday and it, it just serves to, to kind of stoke the fires and the determination with with the fan base in terms of trying to remove you know certainly the owner and, and anyone else that is put in a position of power at the club. So so do, do you think that the uh, the protest achieved what it set out to do, in your opinion? Uh, I, I do, yeah. I mean, I, I, it kind of happened organically on Saturday, really. I don't think anyone had uh, much intention of, of actually having the game abandoned. But once people are on the pitch, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to then leave and walk away and have the game resume. So I, I, whilst it causes problems for the club in terms of, uh, you know, paperwork and potential in, internal wranglings, Ultimately, you know, with all due respect, you probably wouldn't have me on this on this podcast if we hadn't had the game abandoned. So we've had a lot of fans in in positions where they've been fortunate to talk to the media to to share the club's plight, and um, it, it it's had a focus, it's had a shining light on on the club in in terms of the real issues. And you know, on our own podcast, the Tilehurst End, we we spoke to the the chair of the Supporters Trust at Port Vale yesterday, and they've just been fantastic. And we've had you know, a kind of an outpouring of, of uh, you know, the football community in, in terms of supporting our plight. So uh, in, in terms of um, having the game abandoned, it, it's had, a, you know, a massive effect on on the fan base and the club. And it's it's really put an awful lot of eyes on us down in Berkshire to, to try and, you know, speed up this process and, and get our club taken over so that we can, you know, at the very least consolidate in League One and, mm. you know, hopefully not get relegated to League Two. Um, so you you mentioned earlier about Tom Holmes. It was announced yesterday he signed for Luton, um, but he will remain on loan at Reading until the end of the season. How important could he be in the fight to stay up? 
Well, ultimately, you know, he, him and, you know, personally has had a very, very difficult season. Ironically, we played Port Vale earlier in the, in the season away and he was removed from the squad and the team altogether after that game. He's since come back in sort of around the, you know, the festive period and, and has done very well for us. But ultimately, as with a lot of those players, they show the passion for the club. Um, you know, performances on the pitch haven't, haven't been great over the last couple of seasons, as everyone knows. But in terms of having numbers... And having him and, and understanding the club, it, it, it could be massive for us. You know, we've got other players that are linked to um, bigger and better things at the moment. Nelson Abbey is a name that you, you guys have probably heard of. He's been linked with a move away. But we need to keep the squad together. You know, we, we, we can't get players in. I would imagine that very few players would be looking at Reading as a desirable destination at the moment. And actually, mm. we, we just need to keep that core of players together to, to keep picking up points on the pitch to, you know, to stay in this league long term. How much respect do you have for manager Ruben Sellers and what he's had to deal with since arriving in the summer? Um, well, you know, I, I was quite vocal on our podcast about him and, and, and really my, my opinion has changed on him quite a lot because he has had uh, an incredible amount to deal with, as, as you say, Justin. He, he's not always got it right. You know, performances haven't been great this season, but the way that he stood up on Saturday and he engaged positively with with the fans you know, on the pitch and, and the things he said afterwards. You know, I, I do have a great respect for him. And I think, you know, from from my point of view, I've I've had to soften my stance on him a little bit and actually realise that this is bigger than on the pitch stuff. Mm. I'd, I'd love to be on this podcast talking about formations and, you know, the manager getting it wrong with substitutions and all the basic stuff that you want as a football fan. But, you know, right now we need a football club. And if, if he's the man that's going to lead us into hopefully what's going to be a new era, then, yeah, so be it. You know, hopefully if we had this conversation in a year's time, we'd be mm. talking about, you know, the, the basic stuff like transfers. But, you know, we're, we're all incredibly concerned that we won't have a club in six months. And I think that has to be the focus of, of this fan base. That's the focus of, you know, the protest group sell before we die. And it has to be the focus of, of the hierarchy of the club in terms of getting this club moved on to, to different hands that are going to look after, you know, the seventh oldest uh, football league club in the country. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any fan wants to think about not having a club in, in six months' time. That's that's quite a frightening thought, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I've I've supported the club for, for over 30 years now. You know, I, I started going with my dad, still sit with him. I started taking my son, who's now eight. Um, he's he's been coming for two or three seasons regularly, and it's it's a community club. You know, a lot of these uh, local clubs are, are rooted in in the community, but we've we've drifted away from that. You know, our numbers on you know in the stands have, have dwindled. Performances have been you know rubbish. To to be frank, you know, we've had players that have come and gone, managers that have come and gone, and 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 we were built originally on you know longevity and security and, and and positivity within what what we had within our means basically and that's all been destroyed by one man over the last you know six years so we, we you know we want a club we want to be watching every, them every saturday tuesday whether that's at the car lease stadium whether that's away it doesn't matter you know and, and a lot of fans that you would speak to i'm sure justin would say that as long as it says red and football club on the team they will be there um and now we've we've really got to kind of you know bind together and dig in and and make sure we've we've got a football club to watch next season at least. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, hopefully you will have a football club to watch next season. Um, but do you believe uh, Reading have got enough to stay up this season or do you foresee relegation to League Two? Well, I think when you look at everything that's, that's off the pitch, you know, in terms of, of you know, protests we've had previously, in terms of the non-payment of, of staff, 
in terms of non-permanent players in, in some respects. You know, the, the players over recent weeks have really kind of managed to, to weather that storm a little bit. You know, we picked up some some good points, uh, you know, at home and, and on the road. And I think when you look at the squad on paper, there's enough quality, um, you know, like for like to, to be able to compete in this league and, and ultimately stay there. I, I still think we will stay up. But I, I think that depends on all the off-pitch stuff really being uh, sorted as soon as possible. And, and, and the quicker that is, or there is a, a resolution on the horizon, those players will, will really be able to knuckle down. But, you know, what I would say is that it's, you know, from my point of view, I'm, I'm fully behind Ruben Sellers now. I'm fully behind the players. And, I, you know, I want to make sure that we can galvanise them as a fan base to, to keep picking up those points that are going to see us stay in League One currently. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we've got enough um, to do that, but as you know, Justin, football's a funny game, and as a as a tendency to uh, to throw some pretty big curveballs your way. So uh, yeah. we'll have to see how it goes, really. Ben Thomas of the Tolhurst End Podcast. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Pleasure. Thank you, Justin. Take care. This is the EFL Fan Network on Talksport Two. Up next, we'll be diving into the Championship to discuss a team who are sat in the relegation zone and fighting for survival. Yes, we'll be talking all things Queens Park Rangers. Are the hoops bound for League One, or can they get themselves out of the mess they're in? Ben Platt from the W12 Podcast joins us very shortly. That's next, right here on Talksport Two on DAB Plus online via the Talksport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on Talksport Two. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. We're going to dive into the championship now and look particularly at the ongoing relegation battle as teams look to avoid the dreaded drop to League One. One team in particular who are in a fight is Queen's Park Rangers, who sit 23rd in the table, five points off safety. This is what their manager, Marty Fuentes, had to say after their defeat to Watford at the weekend. We need this togetherness until the end of the season and especially the January, we knew that it was a, it's a massive uh, month for us. So now we wasted today's chance, unfortunately, but we have fought this game like it was a cup final. We know that we have now two in front of us and we need to make sure that this togetherness, I know that now all the supporters must go home uh, frustrated. But I said the day I came here, uh, I wonder when we lose, we are frustrated, but at least that we can go heads up thinking that the team did everything they could, that we played a positive attacking football and I think that's what we saw today then we need to make sure that we score the situations and then everybody will be happy That was QPR boss Marty Fuentes speaking after the defeat to Watford A tough situation for Rangers fans as the team fight to stay in the championship but is it already looking like it's too late? Joining us now to give his thoughts on the matter is Ben Platt from the W12 podcast Ben, welcome How do you feel about the club's current situation? Yeah, we're not in a great place at the moment as a club um, I mean, you know, that's you can see that in our league position. Um, we've had a really, really tough last 18 months. I mean, we were uh, flying top of the league sort of October last year with, under uh, Michael Beale. And ever since he's left, we've literally just been on a downwards trajectory. It's not, I don't think it's physically left. We were, I think we just had a good start to the season. We were already on a bit of a trajectory down. Um, but yeah, we've, we're really struggling. Um, I think we've won. It's like eight out of 30 games since then, 35. So it's it's really poor. Our home form is not great. Um, under Mark Warburton a few seasons ago, we spent quite a bit of money in that season. And 
And what has happened now is we don't have much FFP headroom. Mm. So we're really struggling. We haven't, you know, there's not the finances, you know, ideally now we're in January, you know, we're struggling. Bring in a couple, we desperately need a couple of strikers, but we really haven't got any FFP. And we, everyone's after the same players, right? Strikers are a gold dust at the moment, aren't they? And, and we just can't outbid anyone. And we, there might be something we could do with some youth, some young youth players from Premier League on loan, but it's a gamble, isn't it? You, you just never know what you're going to get. But, um, there's a bit of a dark cloud around the football club at the moment. There's been some real big changes. Um, Les Ferdinand has left the DFO, not been replaced yet. Um, um, Chris Ramsey left last week and he was head of academy. So um, the club have done a big audit and, mm. and, and we've brought in a new chief executive last week. Um, so it's so I mean, that's where we are, mate, really. So it's not great. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a bit of a struggle to stay up this season. It, it, yeah. close to a great escape. Yeah, I was going to come on to that, actually. We'll come on to the, the, the chief executive in a minute, but do you, do you think there's enough quality in the squad to stay up currently? Do you know what, right? We, if you look at our 11, if you look at, if we can keep a consistent team out, there's enough there for sure. You know, you've got Asmir Begovic in goal, Steve Cook at centre-back. We've got some good full-backs. We've got Reggie Cannon, who's a USA international. We've got... You know, Jack Colback and Sam Field in your sort of centre midfield roles. And then you've got Ilias Chair, Chris Willock, Lyndon Dykes. And we've got a good youngster in Sinclair Armstrong. So you look at it like that, you're thinking mm. there's probably, there might be enough there. But it's not, it's more mental, I think, with the club at the moment. Mentally, we've got players that are not, I don't know, mate, whether they're up for the fight. A lot <laughs> of players are out of contract in the summer. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they've got an eye on that. You'd think that that would drive them, but actually, I think in the current climate, it doesn't. It does the opposite. Players don't want to get injured. I don't know. It's difficult, mate. But, um, but yes, I do. But I think if we get a, a, an injury an injury crisis like we've had historically, then definitely not. We can't buy yeah. anyone. Yeah. Um, and mentally, I'm questioning the players that grew the squad mentally. Absolutely. So you mentioned uh, uh, a minute ago, the club recently announced that they'd appointed Christian Nori as chief executive. He's worked in football for five years, but he's 26 years old. How has this appointment gone down with the fans? I mean, yeah, there's a few eyebrows raised, but actually he's been around in football quite a lot with big football clubs. That's his history, you know, Barcelona. So he's got that experience. And he did. A, he was the one who led the audit on the club in the last year. We did a huge audit around yeah. everything that we do. He led that. Yeah. Um, so he's got a really good idea of how the club works day to day and what's needed to improve it. So so I think that that's the the philosophy behind appointing him. Um, and actually, we're, we've been dying for a new direction. Like Lee Hoos, who was doing it before, is, the fans were becoming a bit unpatient with him, but he was he was becoming unpatient with the fans, I think, in, in what we were what we were want what we want from our football club. So I think the change is needed. So I think that we'll see. But I don't I don't think that we're unhappy with it. Um but time will tell, won't it? As he said, no matter what he does, results on the football pitch dictate everything, don't they? So you know we've just got a brand new training ground, 25 million state of the art training ground this summer, right? Which is great. Yeah. It's got forgotten because you know we've won what, four in our last 20-odd games, you know? Uh, so QPR were promoted to the Premier League <laughs> 10 years ago. How important is it for a club of their size to remain uh, in the Championship and avoid relegation? 
Well, I mean, look, it's huge. We have this chat on our podcast now every week, which is, you know, you get some people that suggest that it's better to go down, rebuild and come back up. There's been evidence of clubs doing that, Ipswich, Coventry, Sunderland. Um, uh, But for every one of them clubs, there's a club like Bradford, you know, Pompey, Cholton, you know, that gets stuck down down there for years and years. Um, And also, um, you've got the... The money going up next year within the championship, it doubles. It's double your money, isn't it? Um, with yeah, yeah. the television deal. Right. So we need to be a part of that, mate, really. We don't want to lose that. Um, so it's important we stay in, really is. But but when you go down to League One, that the FFP is different down there, isn't it? It's to do with wages and not income and stuff like that. So and we've got owners that want to invest. So that's the argument. Do we go down and rebest cover cup? But I think it's important we stay in the league, and I think we'll be doing everything we can to do that, um, at, to, to, to ensure that we're part of the, the financial benefits of next season with the television deal. Of course. Ben, thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Next, we'll be talking about Blackburn Rovers. They've had a real dip in form, 18th in the championship table, and supporters are becoming concerned. We'll be joined by Ian Herbert from the 4000 Holes podcast to get his thoughts on what's gone wrong. Stay with us right here on TalkSport 2. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network, on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. We'll be looking ahead to the top of the table clash between Leicester and Ipswich a bit later on this evening. But first, let's discuss what's going on at Blackburn. Only one win in nine league games. Rovers have sunk to 18th in the table. A 4-1 defeat at West Brom at the weekend means that since the start of December... Blackburn have won fewer points, lost more games and conceded more goals than any other championship side. Some serious issues at Ewood Park. So let's get the perspective of someone who follows the team very closely to see what's going wrong. Ian Herbert from the 4000 Holes podcast joins us now. Hello, Ian. How are you? What's going wrong for Rovers? Hi, Justin. Uh, I'm okay, notwithstanding everything that you just read out. It's good to see Rovers are market leading in certain metrics. We just need to make it the metrics that, <laughs> that are positive as opposed to the ones that you've just read out. Indeed. Um, so, well, 18th in the Championship, a real dip in form. What's to blame there? I think it's a combination of factors, as it always tends to be. I don't think there's any one thing you can sort of like lay your finger on. Uh, at midnight on the 30th of November, everything in the garden seemed rosy. You know, it was it was all good, and we got some, quotes, winnable fixtures coming up in December, and everyone was looking forward to it, and perhaps ending the calendar year maybe in the playoffs. Since then, as you've rightly dis- <laughs> discussed, we've won but one game, drawn but one game, and lost all the others. I think at the beginning of December, we were two points off the playoffs and 15 points clear of relegation. We're now eight points off the playoffs, but that seems increasingly whimsical, but now only 10 points off relegation. So it's a scary time. The the whole demise seemed to start, I think, from from an injury crisis. I know that's a well-worn cliche for football supporters trying to excuse bad performances, but Mm. there was a point in December where we had a first-choice 11 out. And so the, the 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 eleven that took the field were very much a second choice. Were very young, were very inexperienced, and portrayed it as such on on the field. And I think that that then led to one defeat, 
preceding the next defeat, and so on and so on. And this thing has, has rather snowballed. In and of itself, you could perhaps cope with that, but for the off-field activity that seems to be taking over Rovers at the moment, uh, there are a lot of issues with our parent, Venkis, in India, and their inability to send working capital to the UK to fund things like wages and pay the utility bills and stuff like that without going to court. Mm. So as a result of that, there's been very little money coming into the club. And so the prospect of a January window where we might strengthen and build on the success has instead introduced something of a fire sale. And we seem to be trying to farm players out either to get wages freed up to bring in loans or perhaps even just to raise funds to, to, to pay the bills. So it's a scary time at the moment. Um, the fans are now starting to put John Dal Thomason under more focus. I think his tactics, his formation and his approach to games hasn't changed. Well, yeah, um, I mean, you know, one league win in nine games, they're going to be putting some pressure on him, right? Yeah, I mean, it, the injuries, you would have forgiven him if he'd have sort of sacrificed some of his principles and said, well, in the circumstances, we just need to grind out a couple of 1-0 wins here or maybe even a couple of goalless draws. He hasn't. He's stayed true to his philosophy. And mm. that's meant that when you brought young lads in, um, they're finding it quite difficult to make the transition to the first team and play this, this sort of brand of open football. So he has stated on record that he prefers to win a game 4-3 than 1-0. Uh, at the moment, we're losing by four and we're not scoring three. And it's, yeah. it's not too clever. Yeah. So I think, OK, John, have your principles by all means, but just reflect on the fact that at the moment, you've not got the resources that you want. Let's just play pragmatic football for a couple of games and get our confidence back. I think that that's possibly where the fans would hope to see a change. So how much longer can this form continue before fans start making their feelings heard at Ewood Park? I think the weekend could be interesting. Uh, I use the word interesting <laughs> sort of very openly. Uh, we've got a home fixture against Huddersfield, and I think the, the away match at Huddersfield on Boxing Day was one where you first sensed the mood in the crowd starting to turn, where it was a particularly spineless performance, and we were just never in it. We were outthought, outfought, outmuscled, outrun by mm. a team in the relegation zone. And you came away thinking, oh, my word, something is seriously wrong here. We've got some, some real major problems. If they are to turn us over again on Saturday, I think that could be the catalyst for some louder voices of dissent. Uh, Rovers fans are not known for, for being particularly vitriolic towards the manager. And I think Thomason still has a lot of credit in the bank. But we are sleepwalking towards the bottom three at the rate yeah. that we're going. Hmm. And something needs to be... Something needs to change. We've got to address it. So Saturday, I think, is crucial. Well, let's now hear what the Blackburn boss, John Dahl Thomason, had to say after the defeat at West Brom. He's unhappy with the amount of goals his side have conceded this season. We need to do better in those situations. Uh, we're probably also one, uh, one of the team who's created the most chances in the league. Uh, we're probably also the team who maybe missed the biggest chances in the league. So games are won in each box. Of course, when you've been lost, a lot of game is, is not great. Um, I'm not surprised about it uh, after the cutting of the budget in the summer. All those things which have happened last month, yeah, I spoke about those things in the summer. Uh, the, the only thing we can, we can, I think we should look at this general window positive because the players need help, the staff need help and the fans need help. So hopefully the, the club can manage to get players in. He mentioned there how the players need help, the staff need help and the fans 
need help. Do you get the sense that the manager is almost pleading with the owners to back him in this window? Otherwise, results won't see much change. I think that's exactly what he's doing. Um, as I said earlier, he, he does come across as the most ambitious man at the club. And he does seem to have a footballing philosophy, which if you gave him the right resources would pay dividends. What we've been doing is sort of saying, oh, that looks quite attractive, John. Um, you wanted another player. Mm, sorry, can't afford that, mate. Oh, and by the way, Ipswich are interested in our captain who's on quite a lucrative wage. So we're going to send him out on loan to free up some wages so you can bring in two even younger players, even less experienced players. Thomason has been crying out for experience. I think he's been crying out for some old old heads, mm. some players who've been there, done it, got the battle scars. And instead, he's just been furnished with almost like this conveyor belt of promising young talent that all seem to fall out of the same mould. They're all very technically competent, very young very promising, but lightweight and lacking that game management ability. So the goals that we're conceding, uh, we concede an awful, well, we can say we concede an awful lot from set pieces. We concede a lot from open play as well at the moment right now. Right. Uh, but yeah, you're just looking for, for some leader on the field to provide some sort of like coaching during the game and keep everyone structured and organised. But the sorts of mistakes that we're making are really, really elementary. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and always under pressure, it's interesting to see what happens to, to, to young lads who are suddenly starting to feel it and what impacts and implications that might have for them. So our heart goes out to the players, but my, yeah, my heart goes out to Thomason, who I think has been given something of an impossible task. And his responses and his quotes like that, or his response to it, well, almost like, what do you expect? I'm mm. not a miracle worker. So I have a, lot of, I have a lot of sympathy for him, but it's a sticky situation at the minute. Has there been an over-reliance on Sammy Smodix this season? Well, he, he's sort of like just grown to fill the vacuum. You know, if, if you move a plant from a small pot to a big one and the roots expand and fill the new space around This is it. a great analogy. We, we, we sent Ben Brereton Diaz out to Villarreal and, he, and Sammy Smodix has gone, there's a massive hole there. I think I'll, I'll go and fill it. He's been absolutely phenomenal. You've got to worry about our over-dependence on him and burnout. Some, some wide quick to think on the forum the other day. Have you heard Smodix has got a broken collarbone? That's because he's been carrying the team all season. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. there, there was a, there was a sorry, are you serious? No, no, it's a joke, mate. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but he has missed a couple of games recently through illness. Uh, and I think he was left out of the game. I think he was away at Southampton through simply fatigue. Um, um, and if he doesn't fire and he doesn't spark, then the the big question mark is, well, who's going to score the goals? So mm. he's been a revelation. I mean, fair play to him. He, he's, he's grown into that space and filled it. But it's unfair to expect an attacking midfielder to chip in with 30, 35 goals in a season to keep us up. Uh, and at the moment, that seems to be our philosophy. There's, there's nobody else who looks capable of taking on that mantle. So we've gone from Adam Armstrong, Ben Brereton Diaz to Sammy Smodix as being our, our focal point. Mm. Uh, and it feels like that, that's too, too heavy a burden for a midfielder to carry. I don't think that can sustain through the second half. Ian, it's been great talking to you. I can see how uh, how bad this is, or I can sense how bad this is coming from you. Um, but it's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the Fan Network show on TalkSport 2. 
My pleasure. Thank you. Coming up, we'll preview our big game of the weekend. First versus second in the championship, Leicester City host Ipswich Town. And it's live on TalkSport 2 on Monday night. We'll dissect that game with both camps next. On DAV Plus, online, via TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beattie. Right, what a game we have in store for you on Monday evening. It's live right here on TalkSport 2 as well with Jim Proudfoot and Courtney Sweeten-Kirk on commentary duties at the King Power Stadium for Leicester City versus Ipswich Town. First versus second in the championship, it promises to be a cracker. So right now, let's hear from both camps. Joining us from Leicester till I die is Chris Forian. And for the Ipswich side of matters, we have Rich Woodward from the Blue Monday podcast. Chris, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. Let's start with Chris. Top of the table with 65 points, seven points clear of second place. Could this season have gone any better for Leicester City fans so far? I think the answer to that is a big fat no. Um, and if you'd offered me this at the start of the season, I'd have uh, had you carted away by the men in white suits. Um, look, I mean, when we came down, uh, we were in a pretty bad way. Um, we'd sold our two best players. We'd sold another couple of squad players. We'd let a lot of players go who basically were on very high wages and weren't good enough. So it was a total reset. Um, Enzo complete left field. I mean, obviously they must have been speaking to him for a while, but you know, I was, <laughs> I actually wanted uh, Mr. McKenna, who was at, uh, who was obviously at Ipswich, but, uh-huh. um, and I think where they are proves that what a good manager he is. But wasn't expecting Enzo. So six days after he was there kissing the Champions League trophy, he was sat in our boardroom signing the contract, and I thought, look, let's finish, let's finish, even if we finish sort of seventh or eighth. And then the next season, we will go up even stronger. Uh, Rich, could you ever have imagined that after promotion from League One, Ipswich would be in the Championship top two with a real chance of becoming a Premier League club next season? I mean, just copy Chris's answer, but replace Moresca for McKenna, right? Um, it's, it's interesting hearing Chris's perspective there because... Okay, we come into the we came into the division from from League One. Yes, we'd recruited well. We had a good budget for that level, and therefore there was expectation, but never the expectation that we'd be top two, um, let alone top six. I, I was hoping we'd be hovering outside that area for the majority of the season, maybe make a a go of it. But acknowledging that against the the parachute teams, including Leicester, including Southampton, Leeds, obviously, um, it would be a real struggle to break in. The fact we have, the fact we stayed there. Yes, the gap is closed. It's it's been unbelievable, Justin. And and you know, in similar kind of you know vein to Chris, there pinching yourself is kind of a routine for us as well. Um, we just didn't see this in in terms of the level. I think we had a lot of faith in the manager, a lot of faith in the players, but um, to to sustain a top six challenge for the for the season so far, a long may that continue. I, I think we're kind of yeah, we're very much in pinch yourself territory as well. Um, but acknowledging that the hunting pack is coming and yeah and there's one ahead of us who's got a lot more resources as well so we are punching well above our weight and long may that continue uh so chris uh, do you see leicester being caught out at all are you confident that the foxes will be a premier league side next season never confident of anything with leicester 
<laughs> if, if there's any team apart from Spurs that can be called Spursy, it, it's us. You know, I mean, you know, when, when we won the Premier League, I was actually sat next that whole season where I worked next to a Spurs fan. And both of us were starting to go, we're not going to win this. We're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. Mm. Leicester, I mean, you know, if nobody scored for 20 games, Come to Leicester, you'll get a goal. We, I, no, I'm not confident at all. Uh, I mean, you know, look at the last game against Coventry, proved that. You know, that was a, yeah, right, we were down to 10 and we held on for 70 minutes, etc. But yeah, I mean, it's such a competitive, competitive league. Uh, I mean, and every time we sort of lose a game, and I was actually sad, I went actually to see Jeff Stelling last night uh, do his show. And uh, there was a couple of Ipswich fans in the row in front of me. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I hasten to say that that's probably the last time they will be in front of us. But no, I jest. Uh, <laughs> sorry, mate. But, you know, they, you know, every, and I said to them, every time we lose a game, I look at Ipswich and go, would you just lose? And they don't, they, they're like the, the, the Black Knight in that Monty Python film, the Holy Grail, you know, chop a leg <laughs> off and they still come after you. Chop, yeah. And sometimes you're watching the games and you're struggling, you're looking and, and Ipswich are losing. You think, yeah, brilliant. And then they'll come back at the end and win. Yeah. Um, the, 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 but no, I mean, fair play to them. Um, and Southampton have just suddenly turned it round. My big worry with Leicester is I don't think we've had our dip yet this season. Oh, so you think there might be one? I th- well, every club, I think, does have one at some point. I don't mm. think you can go through... Oh, it, you know, it'd be churlish of me to think that we could go through the whole season when we've lost four games. You know, we're gonna we're gonna lose more. It's a long mm. season, yeah. and we've got to hit that bad form at some point. Surely, you know, we've got injury. You know, you get injuries. You're going to get sending offs. Um, that that is the big worry for me. Similar question then for you, Rich. Do you believe Ipswich have enough quality in the team to go all the way and achieve promotion? I mean, similar, again, I'm going to repeat uh, the answer from my Leicester colleague. You know, I, I think I, we feel the same way about Southampton. I think Leeds are maybe a little bit more inconsistent, but still strong and probably likely to spend money at some point in the window. But I think the trouble, well, the trouble for the other teams and where I'll big ourselves up is we, the fundamentals are right. You know, the, we've really harnessed the momentum from promotion and the latter end of last season was just ridiculous in terms of the number of wins, um, the number of goals scored, number of goals we didn't concede. And McKenna has done fantastically just to to continue that in, in the championship. Momentum is huge, as we know. And I think, you know, to Chris's point, I, I think we've maybe had our, our blip and we didn't lose too many games. You know, we, um, we've we struggled with injury suspensions. George Hurst, um, Chris might not be his biggest fan, maybe at Leicester, but he's been fantastic for us. He, he's going to miss the majority of the rest of the season. Sam Moores, he's had a few suspensions as well, and he's the drumbeat of the team. And yet, we're still ahead of Southampton. So at some point, you've kind of got to turn your your faith and hope into a little bit of belief in our team. And you know we're strengthening in the window, more business expected to happen as well. So look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that we've got second um, nailed on. I'd like to mm. think, given the points gap, we've got to to sixth and seventh. We should be a good bet for playoffs at the very least. And let's let's see what happens because I think Chris is right. I think there's a few teams who are yet to have a, a blip. I think we've had ours. Hopefully, we're out the other side, having beaten Sunderland, but a tough game on Monday night, as everyone's uh, is probably aware of. So let's wait and see. But I think Southampton are, are due a little bit of a stumble, and maybe Leicester as well. They didn't beat us at Portman Road. Um, yeah. So who knows? 
Yeah, yeah, actually, we'll, we'll come on to that. We'll also come on to some score predictions uh, at the end. But, uh, Chris, uh, where can Ipswich cause Leicester problems if there were a weakness to be exploited? I mean, that's the good thing. Last season, we had lots of weaknesses. Uh, this year, we haven't really. I mean, I suppose the main one, if you can get at Yannick Vestergaard, he, he's not the fastest defender. Um I mean, he's literally, as a as a few players have, but probably him more than anybody, has turned every, you know Leicester fans' thoughts around him this season because he was bought by Rogers, couldn't make the team. When he did make the team, we were losing, but then we were losing most games anyway. Uh, this year, he controls that back. I mean, you know, he's, he, he he gets the ball, he stands on it, he looks around, and the passes he makes, but he does come quite a way forward. And if you can, you know, if you can get at him and, and hit him with speed, he is he's a donkey going backwards when it comes to speed. Right. Um, and also with with our goalkeeper Mads, I mean, you know, all the managers these days seem to like these sweeper keepers. Yeah, you know, we play out from the back. So you know, if, if you if you close, I don't know what I'm saying this, but if you close us down at the back, uh, uh, and yeah, thank you, and. Um, and get at us, that can cause us problems. And also, you know, if you catch Mads Manson out of his goal, you know, sometimes he's halfway up the pitch. I've seen him in the centre circle sometimes. Yeah. Uh, if you can chip him, which is what the guy at Watford tried to do, but unfortunately he didn't get the chance against us, um, you know, that the goal's open quite often. I'll get a score prediction from you in a minute, Chris. Um, uh, back to Rich, though. Um, so, 1-1 on Boxing Day. Do you expect a similar result on Monday night? I, I'd, I'd take it. Um, I, I think we... <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, the, the stuff that Chris is, is saying there in terms about the weaknesses of Leicester is, is, is stuff that you know I, I saw on that night. I, I think the point was deserved, but there, it seems to me that Leicester could have, if they'd stepped it up, could have, could have won that game. And it, it felt like a little bit of defensive cohesion maybe lacking there if you wanting to maybe play out and it's something that we do um our keeper flat um Vaslav Vladky does that as well um but seems to be a little bit more controlled and you know he's he's very adventurous but I don't think it's as big a risk we have conceded a couple of chances that way but I think we've generally got that down and so my sense from that one all game was that we definitely much deserved the point um, but couldn't really find a way to break them down and so that will be the key and so to what Chris was saying there Caden Jackson's come into the team and he's got that high pace, that high intensity. We've got a team that likes to press. Um, that will be, um, you know, the tens will do that. Chaplin will do that. Broadhead will do that. Um, Burns will do that. So I've kind of got a lot of hope that we can just repeat the same kind of stuff. But it's going to be tough. And and it's it's tough. We've been to Southampton away just before they went on this ridiculous outturn and won. And obviously opening day at Sunderland, we, we got the victory there against the odds too. And with 15 minutes of added time. Where have you seen that again this season? Just the, oh. just the one game against Sunderland for us. But it, it means that we can turn up at these places. And it was similar last season. Again, uh, the last two away trips to, before we got promotion, away at Peterborough, away at Barnsley, and won 3-0. So this team doesn't have any fear of going to the big grounds at this level and getting a win. Right. Of course, the quality might be there in the opposition, but I think we'll we'll give it a go. We it's not an Ipswich Town team like it was under maybe Mick McCarthy, perhaps, which is if I wouldn't get on the bus if you'd offer me a point now. Um yep. I think we very much like to go there and, and give it a go, but I'd be very happy with a point. Let's get a score prediction then from you, and then we'll get one from Chris. I'm gonna go for a repeat of, of the one all. I I hope we'll frustrate them a little bit. 
Um, I'd like to think that maybe we'll score first, but we've got a little bit of a knack of not doing that. But um, I'd like, uh, you know, a three all would be great, but I'll take a score draw just at this point. Chris? I'm hoping that the Ipswich Town that turns up at the KP, the Ipswich Town that turns up at Leeds, um, because I watched that game and I'm thinking like, who are this? You know, Ipswich, it wasn't your best game at all. Look, I, I, would I take a point now if you offered it me? Yes, I'd bite your hand off. But we need to win. And, you know, after that loss against Coventry, uh, it really, you know, we're at home in front of our own fans. I'm going to have to go for a 2-1 Leicester win. Brilliant. Chaps, it's been wonderful speaking to you. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Loads of live EFL action for you this coming weekend right here on TalkSport 2. It all starts tomorrow evening from 8pm as Sunderland host Hull. Then on Saturday, we have two games in the Championship back-to-back. Southampton travel to Swansea in the 12.30 kickoff before Norwich host West Brom from 3pm. Then on Sunday from midday, Leeds look to continue their push for promotion as they host Preston and finally, Monday evening at 8pm, we have the big one. Leicester hosting Ipswich. Five live and exclusive championship commentaries right here on TalkSport 2. A reminder, you can listen to the Fan Network show every Thursday evening from 6pm here on TalkSport 2, whilst EFL All Access is every Monday evening at 6pm. If you miss any of our shows, you can listen back on the TalkSport app and we are also available as a podcast, which you can download from your go-to podcast provider. Just search the EFL All Access feed.